0: Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that as human beings we have divine life inside of us and that through the divine being we can worship you in spirit and truth. Hallelujah. You are the true and living God. We worship you with the truth of the life that is in us. Our vessels are not worthy of your presence. But our spirit man is righteous and ready and right to stand worthily and boldly in your presence and worship you and declare your goodness and your greatness. Now, Father, as I've, I continu- continually declare and I ask and request that every heart is ready to receive and ears are ready to hear Minds are quieted from distractions and are ready to receive the Word of God. And I pray, Father, that as I submit myself completely to the leading and the flowing of the Holy Spirit, that you will have your way and you will have your say in this meeting today. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah Praise the Lord Praise Jesus Before I, before I start my message this morning I want to just display a letter that we got from the mayor's office in Whitbank. So, I'm going to just read it to you. The office of the executive mayor, uh, I don't quite know how to pronounce her name, wishes to express its profound appreciation for your company's support and contribution to the resounding success of the 2022 State of the Municipal Address. The strategic partnerships are the thrust of our inclusive growth and development discourse. Without caring corporate citizens, such as Rich Communications, vision of a better life for all will remain a dream deferred. Once again, a big thank you to Team Rich Communications and for being part of the Emma LaChlene family. Hope this selfless partnership can only grow from strength to strength. <laughs> Note what it says at the bottom there. Community that does not take care of its youth does not have a future. So Friday, uh, Friday morning we had a bit of a challenge because Friday morning I minister to, the, to the, my exchanges. I'm, I'm busy going through uh, the footsteps of a prophet. And I'm recording it as I'm ministering to them. So Thursday afternoon around 2, 3 o'clock, somewhere around about there, they sent us a request if we would be available to bring our technology and our cameras and everything with us and come and record a special address that she wanted to do to Whitbank uh, people based on the strikes and the chaos that happened on the highway and all that kind of stuff Thursday Thursday and Friday, I believe it was, or Wednesday and Thursday, and uh, so she wanted to have a public address, and, uh, you know, Matt came to me and said, Pastor John, what do I do? I said, we say yes. We say yes. (laughs) So, it, it meant we had to juggle our resources that was potentially impacting the quality of work that I wanted to do, and we sent... We sent Matt and Conrad, and uh, they went and they they uh, did the whole thing. And so afterwards, the mayor invites them into her office. She They sit at her desk, and she begins to talk to them and tell them about the strategic partnerships and how much she values what we are doing. And uh, can we please put together a propo- proposal of how we can be youthful and functional to the Emma Lakhlini municipality in a strategic partnership going forward hallelujah. The Lord. Hallelujah. hallelujah you know I said to Matt we started on the outskirts but we are right in the very center of where all the decision making happens and just our presence there just our presence there is already making a difference Our presence there allowed a message to go out, a message of hope and a message of, uh, you know, we are not settling for this. And without our ability to let it go out on media, it would have been a limited message. In this way, it gets out. So praise God, our prayers that we are praying for our government, for our nation, for our leaders, for our local, it's working. It's working. God gave us the wisdom that we could get in there using other titles of, of parts of our ministry that are not church. But they know we're a church. I showed you the picture where the, on the, the guy that's on the mayoral council, he was in the my Exchanges Room helping them do the things before they did the mayoral um, state of the, of the municipality address. So they know who we are. But it, it's... Uh, it's good that they don't have to face, face any questions because we're either there as slipstream or there is rich communications. That's wisdom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Don't you think that's awesome? That's just awesome. The way God works, you know, it's just like do what He tells you and the rest is like, it comes easy. Hallelujah. I need my cell phone, please, MP. Thank you. I've got to time myself. How much? Three hours? (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. This last week, uh, I've been ministering on... This last weekend, I've been ministering on restoration of relationships... And uh, wow, what a day we had yesterday. Well, Friday, Friday night started with Pastor Sharon doing declarations. And that was amazing to me. It was such a peace and anointing there. And then yesterday morning I was, uh, I was ministering on, on, on how God is restoring your soul and how you have to have your soul restored because your spirit man is, is born again. Your spirit man, the real you, is where Jesus lives. And uh, your, your, your body is just uh, up to you what you want to do with it, how you condition it or not, how you eat or you don't. I mean, that's your business. Yeah. Well, it's God's business too, because your body doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. He says so. Anyway, the thing that really needs to be brought into a place of order is your soul. And so I went through Psalm 23 about how God restores our soul so that we can worship him in spirit and in truth using today's words and then an unexpected thing happened and now we're going to have the most views on our youtube message from yesterday morning (laughs) after i I am going to tell you what happened but uh, somehow the lord started wanting me to talk about sex and so i spent probably 45 minutes at least yesterday talking about sex in marriage, and sex, what the world thinks of sex. that They don't have a clue of what sex really is. So if you want to know a, a really good, upfront, in your face, but very gentle, but spiritual and godly way of having sex, it's on the YouTube channel. I'm probably going to be, expect to have it as the most widely watched session of the whole weekend. <laughs> it's going to be downloaded, saved, shared, whatever, you know. Well, I mean, I spoke to my sons afterwards, you know, and, uh, and there have been times, it's been a long time, but there have been times in this ministry where we've talked about sex the godly way. And uh, we have been very, very, we made sure and we've had special evening services where we, there were no children. And, and uh, we, I think we put, a, we put an age limit on it. We put an age restriction on it. You had to be 18 or 19 and above. And, uh, and we, we, would, we talked openly about terms that the world uses about describing sex and how God actually sees it i 'm um, not getting into that today no. don 't panic <laughs> or don 't get too excited <laughs> but there are children in here, and so anyway, God did something amazing and then of course, yesterday afternoon was also just wonderful because God spoke about restoring our soul today. If we are going to have successful relationships, and I used my framework, touch is a very important part of a relationship. You have to be able to touch people spiritually. You have to be able to touch them in their soul. And you need to be able to touch them physically. Touch is an important, very, very important part. In fact, I go so far as to say, I, I mean, I forget all the studies, but but there are, there are studies out there that little children that grow up without a parent, say in an orphanage or in a foster care home or someplace where the people are not very caring with their touch, and so the children don't get used to touch from a very young age, that it actually causes them to have a lack of development as they grow older. I'm talking about babies, babies. And the more they are touched, the more they have the caring, loving touch, it develops their their growth and their security and their, their everything. And so why should it change as if you're an adult? Just because your mind says this is socially appropriate or it's not. You know. But it's interesting that I mean it doesn't happen as much today as it used to happen. Certainly when I finished in my corporate days. It happened to me occasionally and it certainly marked my life, you know, that um, people would make agreements, a verbal agreement, We'll we'll do this deal, you deliver the product, I'll pay you the money, shake on it. What's that? It's a touch contract, it's a touch transaction. We touch on it. We shake on it. And then your words become your bond, because that's the sign of an agreement. And so that doesn't change until something else happens. A word's man, or a man's word ought to be his, ought to be his bond. Yeah. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, once, you, once you, and always, touch will always be there. But you need to go to the level of integration of ways. On a human level and on a spiritual level. On a, on a relational level between a man and a woman. On a relational, relational level of friendships. On the, at the body of Christ level, and certainly with God, the most important one is integrating your ways with God's ways, because then you've guaranteed of success in your life. Many, many people want to have the blessing of God on their life, but they don't want to do what God wants them to do. They want to follow their own desires and their own designs and their own dreams. And so, if you follow your own design and your own dream, uh, it's most likely that you are not following the plan of God for your life. Most likely. Most likely. Because the way you understand what He's God is, you integrate your ways. So, I mean, this is not uh, meant for anything specific, but... If, if, you, if, if the Bible says you've got to come to church and you've got to assemble yourselves together and you don't, then you're not integrating your ways. Yeah. If the Bible says that He's given us gifts, then He wants you to use your gifts in the church and you don't do it, you're not integrating ways. Yeah. If The Bible says tithe, then you're not integrating your w- ways if you don't tithe. Hey? Yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord. And then you have strategic intentions. And the strategic intentions of God are made known to people that have integrated their ways. And that is a cooperative agreement between God and you. He gives you something to do, you obey Him, He produces the resources, the energy, the strength, whatever it is required. For you to do what he wants you to do. And then you go to the level of divine productivity. And that is almost always initiated by God. Because he will tell you something to do. And uh, and as he tells you something to do. He will give you God ideas. He will give you God ideas. You know, I when I was in the corporate world. Um. Uh, the kind of money that I earned in the corporate world was not because I came to work from eight to five. It's not, it wasn't based on how many salespeople, engineers, whatever worked for my, for my part of the company. It wasn't because I could do the work, I could be busy for eight hours a day. Part of the reason they paid me was because the, the way they paid me and the amount they paid me and the shares they gave me was because I came up with God ideas. They pay chief executive officers, CEOs, managing directors, whatever. They pay them big money, not because they work from 8 to 5 or because they, they work 15, 16 hours a day. If that was the case, all you've got to do is work 16 hours a day and you should earn what they earn. Yeah. They get paid to think And they get paid for ideas. And they get paid for creative capabilities. Remove that from a company and it's just an average, normal company. And you're gonna just work, 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 and work, and work, and work, and you're gonna chase money, chase money, chase money. That's where divine productivity comes in with you and me. Divine productivity comes in when you're busy with God's stuff in your life. He gives you ideas, and then God will give you the way to implement those ideas. He'll promote you, He'll increase you, He'll develop you. And God can do that if you give Him your life. And then, of course, there's the covenant component, where it starts with His covenant with you, and He touches you first. And then the covenant comes to a point where He asks you to do something so significant that you would give your life or you would give something of, of, of great value to Him. And relieve it with him. Like Abraham had to give his only son. And God, he trusted God that there would be another way of getting through that. Other than having to kill his son. But in his heart he killed his son. To obey God. That kind, that kind of covenant is rare. But it is something that's in the church. So if we are going to function in this in this uh, relationship restoration. I'm going to minister this morning and I'm going to share something with you this morning that you already have been living and have been part of it with me. It's why we showed the video clip. Because when we took a seed to Brother Jerry, we didn't take a seed because he came to preach. It wasn't what, you know what it's called in ministry circles, it's called an honorarium. In other words, we don't pay you for what you preach because we can't pay you on the value of what your message is. So that's why they call it an honorarium, not a payment for preaching. Because you can't pay people for the value of what they preach. So it's called an honorarium. It means it's an honor gift for what you preach. Now, we didn't take a, a, a gift to Brother Jerry, and you know the story, we, I, I took the money from us, and I was, I was you know, going about drawing the cash off the cards so that we could do what we needed to do, Brother Joe and Eric were helping me with that, and then the Lord said, be ready for a gift, be ready for a gift, so that's Brother Jerry's side of the story, he doesn't know all the background stuff, you know, that's his side of the story. But it's clear that we went with a gift that was of honor. It was just a gift. It wasn't anything because it was a payment or because he was coming or he came or because there's any other thing. We just recognized who he is in our lives. So we gave him honor. I told you a long time, I've been telling you a long time, that this church is famous throughout the world. Wherever Brother Jerry goes, he talks about us. Because of what God has done in this church and is doing in this church. The spirit of God is here. The life of God is here. The glory of God is here. The unity of God is here. We are an ecclesia of God. We are just not a congregation. We are an ecclesia of God. We have authority because we are under authority. And and there are not many churches around the world that understand that. But God is raising up more and more because the message is getting out. And your message, the message of your seed and your honor, I had no idea Brother Jerry was going to do that. In fact, I knew Southwest Believers Conference was happening this week. I've got too many things on my plate. I can't watch all those messages. I can't watch for 12 hours a day, ministry, you know. So I'm, I'm busy. I started to people started to tell me, actually, someone came and sat in my office and we were having a conversation and I said, you know, did you you better go and watch brother? I'll go and watch it. And then other people started to tell me. And then I watched it and I decided you needed to see it. Because actually you're famous. And such was the significance of our honor for Brother Jerry that of all of, the, all of the examples of the open hand of God that he could use in a given time, he chose us. And so we, we are known around the world in faith, in churches, in every, everywhere, because Brother Jerry preached it. You're famous. But we have said all the time, I want to make God famous. I want to make, I want to glorify God. You know what that testimony did? It glorified God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you know, the leftover bit that he talked about. The Lord gave me wisdom into how to use it, and I went to a shop that he, the kind of shop that he really likes to shop at. I know it, I know exactly what he likes and doesn't like. And uh, and I know the shop he likes to go to, so I went over there to that shop and I asked them if I could buy gift cards and they said yes, and the amount that I needed I could buy as many gift cards as I wanted to, you know. So I bought I gave him I bought a significant remaining gift card. They couldn't actually put it on one card, they had to give me four cards. Because their cards have a maximum value each, so you have to buy. So I had to buy four cards for him. And so then I bought a card for Miss Carolyn, his wife. And I went to Joe and the wisdom that the Lord gave me was, I know that they celebrated 56 years of marriage, I think, in July. And uh, they were going to Hawaii. And I know Brother Jerry's favorite shop that he shops at is, is in Hawaii. That's where, I mean, they've got lots of branches everywhere, but the one he likes to shop at is in Hawaii. So I said to Joe, now don't give him the rest of the gift. He knows it's coming, but don't give it to him until he goes on his anniversary. Then give it to him from the church for him and Miss Carolyn so that they could spend it in Hawaii. So I wonder, you know, just that bit of wisdom, I wonder whether he, I mean, I know he just got back from Hawaii right before he was going to come and preach her. I wonder if we were not top of his mind. And so the honor keeps speaking. The honor keeps speaking. And so, you know, you can, you, can have a, you can have a decision to live in life and have relationships that are on your terms, but God has got a much greater way of living life, and it's the principle of honor. And that's why we have... I have great confidence before God that we as a ministry can ask God for anything and He'll do it for us because we understand honor. So I I, I really did feel to to say this, that if you're going to listen to the sex talk from yesterday, I want you to understand that the most valuable thing that you can bring to intimacy between a, a husband and a wife The most valuable thing that you can bring to intimacy, to sex, is honor. That's the most valuable thing you can bring, is honor. Because if you have a relationship that's based on honor, I'm coming here in this moment of of intimacy to be intimate, to enjoy the intimacy of what God wants us to have But I'm not here to be carnal, I'm here to be honorable. Then what you enjoy together is an honorable thing, not a carnal thing. And so this principle of honor restores everything in life. Everything. If you have honor, and I'm going to talk about it this morning, if you have honor and you understand honor, then honor becomes much bigger and much more powerful to restore and bring growth in a relationship than anything else. So I've got a few areas I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to go through it as quick as I can because we're going to break, have communion at the end of the service. I'm going to start with John chapter 13, verse 20 in the Amplified Bible. And it says this, I assure you most solemnly I tell you, he who receives, I'm going to use the word honors because you can't receive somebody without honor. So if you receive me as as your pastor, then you receive me, you can't receive me, properly receive me without honor. You can say, I recognize you as my pastor But you can't receive what I say and you can't receive who I am and you can't receive what God does through me unless you give me the honor. Honor is much greater. I'm not preaching this message to to look for honor from you. I already told you, and I've said this many times, I don't have to be your pastor. If you're attending this church and you don't consider me your pastor, don't call me pastor. Call me by my name. If I'm your pastor, then, and it's in your heart to call me pastor, then you receive me as, a, as your pastor, but then you receive what God has put in me, and then you honor God through honoring this vessel. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. And so the greatest value that I can place on Brother Jerry's ministry into our lives It's not how many times he comes here, how many times he takes my call or sends a message to me, how many times he does anything for me. He lives in America. He's got a busy schedule. He's got a lot of stuff to do. So if I had to value him based on what he does for me, I could say with a fairness mentality, I could say, "Uh, it's not fair for me to give him anything. And in fact, if he comes here to South Africa, I'll just give him what I think is an acceptable offering. Hey? I can tell you that happens to him all the time. I've been present when people have given him an offering and he signed the check and gave it back to them. Because they need it more than he does. Because that wasn't receiving him with honor. That was just receiving him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or he would get Joe to do it. Sometimes just to preserve dignity and not to have confrontation. So if you just bear with me, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, he who receives or honors and welcomes and takes into his heart, any messenger of mine receives me in just that way. And he who receives and honors or honors and welcomes and takes me into his heart, receives him who sent me. So there's... A receiving and honor principle that's from the Father to Jesus and Jesus to people, to his messengers. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 says He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me, him, me, receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. There is. There are things that I've I've said in I've said in life, and I've told people do this and do that, and when I've said it, actually it's 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 turned into big blessing, because they received and did what I said, they received the prophet's reward. I don't know. Then something happens in their heart, and they no longer see what I said as valuable, because they measure my value. And so then it's, I don't really care what you say, I'm going to do my own thing. Well, Jesus is clear here, if you receive him, it means you've got to give honor to it. You receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. I mean, this is a powerful passage of Scripture because what he's talking about is is he's talking about relationships that have to have the law of recognition. Without the law of recognition at work, you can't give honor. You can have... You can have many things, but you can't have honor without the law of recognition. So, I want to sh- just use the word, he who receives a righteous man. Can I say, he who honors a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Okay, just as the point of clarification, we have new people in the church or visiting people in the church. I want to say that every single body, every single person that gets born again, that has Jesus living in their heart, you immediately become righteous. Not because you are physically perfect or because you have physically changed, but because Jesus living in you makes you righteous. So you have a right standing before God in your real man, your spirit man. That spirit man can speak to God anytime, regardless of how badly your outside man behaves. Your spirit man can be released to have that conversation with God. So if I receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man's reward, in other words, I don't see your humanity. I don't see your faults. I don't see the human side of you. I see you as the righteous one. Then I receive a righteous man's reward. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you, this is worth shouting about because you know what this does to restore relationships in the body of Christ is if I see you doing something that offends me and I don't like it, you know, if my attitude is, hold on a minute, I'm seeing the carnal man at work, yeah, or the natural man at work, yeah, I choose to have honor and I receive from the righteous man that's inside him. Now, what happens if that carnal man keeps coming at you? You can stand there and say, I don't see you as carnal. I see you as righteous. What does that do to your attitude? It says, whatever you're doing to me, I forgive you. Whatever you got planned, I release you. Whatever things are happening, I got no no beef with you. I release all of what might be troubling me. I release it to him and I release it so that it has no place between us. If you have this kind of attitude towards relationships, you preserve what Jesus has said we have to have in the body of Christ. Now, I know this is easier said than done. I know that. But if I don't preach the truth to you, then you don't receive the truth. And so however you choose to live with this truth, that's your business between you and God, but I've got to preach it. So it's, 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 it's time for me to just uh, talk about honor for a minute because I'm going to go into honor about government and honor towards parents and honor towards wives and husbands. And I'm talking about God is restoring relationships. I only have less than an hour to preach a subject that actually should take a month. But in the context of what we are doing this weekend and what we are releasing our faith to do to restore, I have to bring the highest level of restoration to you that God can do. I have to minister to you the highest level of restoration that God can bring. So the simple definition of honor is valuing. If you you were to go and speak to a, a Greek man and in the Greek ask him what honor is, he would say valuable, precious, weighty, such as gold. If you just use other forms of, of language understanding, the reason I say a Greek, man, because, because if you take scriptures, which I'm going to read you in the New Testament, they are translated from Greek, and you talk about the Greek, then that's what it will mean to him. Other, other definitions are, appreciation, esteem, favorable, regard, respect. Hallelujah. Can I hear the Word of God and say, I'm a Christian and I respect and I esteem the Word of God and then I don't do it? I mean, I can't have esteem for God's Word. I can't respect God's Word if I don't do it. So then... It doesn't matter if I use the words I honor God or I respect God or I esteem God in my life, but I don't do His word, then clearly you don't. And so honor is a very powerful form of relationship. What happens on the opposite side if you dishonor? Somebody, Because sometimes we get a better understanding of honor if we understand what dishonor is. And so if you dishonor somebody, then you are considering it to be common or light. Easily done away with, such as a vapor. In other words, I can easily do away with you. I don't need you in my life. I don't need you. I don't need anything about you. It's disrespectful. It's dishonorable. I esteem you so lightly that I have no more value for you in my life. It's quite a, it makes it quite, it, uh, it brings it home, doesn't it? What honor is versus what dishonor is. And so I'm wanting you to know this because when I have a few moments which I'm going to talk about when I talk about husbands and wives and the greatest level of relationship that you can have between each other is honor, then you can, talk, then you can begin to watch your life and see whether you're dishonoring your partner or you have honor for your partner. Because honor is, includes respect, it includes esteem, it includes those things that are valuable to you. But you can't say you have value to me in a relationship, but I keep disrespecting you. Or I keep disregarding what your desires are and what your communication with me is about what you want from me. And what we want from God. So the difference between honor and dishonor, we need to see it. So I'm going to keep referring to it as um, dishonor as Easily done away with. Would you be all right with that if I just use that because otherwise it gets a bit technical for me in my message today. Easily done away with. In other words, if a wife speaks to a husband and he's only hearing with aunt and he walks out, then whatever she said is easily done away with. That means there's no honor here. It's easily done away with. I'm about my own business, leave me alone. You know the old story. Hey, bring, bring, uh, stop at the shops and bring bread and milk home. Then he gets home without bread and milk. Where's the bread and milk? Oh, I forgot. If you really honored that word and respected that word, you will not forget. You will make sure that you have a record of it so that when you come home, you will make time to make sure that you get the bread and milk. Now, I know that we talk about busy lives, yeah, and people are doing things and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I know this. But I'm telling you and I'm showing you how deeply disrespect and easily done away with are things in relationships out of, in the name of busyness and responsibility. And your honor for greater things in life starts at a very low level, doesn't start at the highest level. It starts at the lowest level of where your responsibilities lie. Um, You can say, I'm preaching good. And you can say, Amen to that. Isaiah, I'm just going to, I'm going to just give you a reference. I'm going to kind of give you a review of Isaiah 29 verse 13. And it's just my interpretation, but... Basically, I'd like to say inasmuch as much as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts from me and their fear towards me. You see, you can say, I put you in my mouth and I say all the right things. But if your heart and your and the inside of you is disrespectful to God, then your words mean nothing. Your words mean nothing. Hallelujah. So if I go to 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 13 this is what the scripture says Therefore therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of men of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him For the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for what your vices are, or what your desires are, but as a bond-servant of God. Honour all people love the brotherhood fear god honor the king hey is that what the scripture says honor all people love your neighbor love your brother and honor fear god and honor the king this is this is talking about submitting yourself to the ordinance of men you know i i for a long time i had I had a lot of difficulty in uh, being governed by by the government the reason the, the reason it's called government is because they are they are brought to govern so i don't want to get into a into a into a theological discourse with you on this today. But the Bible says that every single government that is in the earth is permitted and is put there by God. So you say even Putin, even uh, Jing from China, even all of these guys, I feel like I want to say Jing Jing. China Jing Jing my China. You know, what about, what about the, dicta- the dictator that was Robert Mugabe and the ongoing dictatorship that's going on in Zimbabwe? What about all kinds of really bad governments that are in the earth? Well, God permits it. And so His word doesn't change based on the quality of the government. His word is true to you and me, regardless of how badly the government operates. As long as what the government is asking you to do does not go against God's word, then you must obey God first. But if they say, we're going to tax you, I mean, what have you got to do about that? You actually can't do anything about that. If you, pay, if you go to the shop and you buy groceries, you have no choice but to pay that. That is not a law that you passed. Well, indirectly it is. If you voted for the government to be in power and they make that rule, then you ask them to actually tax you. Indirectly. And all the tax systems and all the potholes you have in the road and all of the stuff that's going on, you have a legitimate human reason to say, I'm going to not pay my taxes or I'm not going to do stuff with the government. You are going directly against God's will. I want to say to you, watch your mouth, what you say about the government. Because the Bible, if you put that scripture up again, please, the Bible says, honor the king. At that time, he was talking about Caesar being the king or the king of the kingdom that they was ruling there. It's the same as a president or the government. He didn't say, just obey all the rules. He said, honor the king. Because if you walk in a level of honor, then you, then, then you, can't, uh, you can't be caught in a, in a disrespect. You can't be caught in a, in a, in a conversation that where people want to have a lot to say about how bad the government is and how bad things are. You can't get caught in that. I mean you can talk about facts but you shouldn't have judgments because you can't judge somebody and have honor for them at the same time so we are supposed to honor leaders we are supposed to honor economic leaders the reason i say honor economic leaders is because they are every they are part of our social fabric and and if you, if you have people that either give you business or you work in a business that pays you a salary, uh, if you have a relationship of honor, then you are going to walk in a place where you value, you respect, you esteem, and you, and you have this, as in, as in gold, it's precious, this relationship. If you have that, it doesn't matter how bad that boss is or how difficult a customer might be, If you have that kind of relationship, you are going to protect it like with your life because it's as precious as gold. We are supposed to have uh, honor towards church leaders. We are supposed to have honor towards each other in the church, our spiritual family as well as our natural family. We are, it is necessary for husbands to have honor to their wives and wives to their husbands. And it's very necessary for children to honor their parents. And I'm going to read that now to you in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Before I get there, I just want to say this. One of the things that if you ask my sons, if you ask them growing up, if there was something that always spoke loudly to them about my walk with God is the way I honored their mother. She was my wife and I honored her as my wife. I also honored her as, my, as the mother of my children. What spoke to them was the way I loved her because I loved her and honored her and they could see it they could hear it. It was obvious. Honor is something that becomes obvious. There is no greater gift that you can give a child than for a father to honor his, their mother and a mother to honor the father and respect and admire him. But what if he's always messing up and making bad decisions all the time? Your honor is based in your faith towards God and obeying Him, not based on His actions. On that basis, you can have honor because you obey God. You're not not valuating their performance. Performance is one of the greatest things that erodes honor you don't perform the way i think you're performing and i measure and i judge your performance can't be on it here because it's based on what you think performance should be so i get back to sex again huh it's been a theme this weekend if my relationship with you sexually as a husband to wife or wife to husband, is based on performance, then you are not going into that relationship with honor. It's based on how good it is, not how intimate it can be. What do you think the whole world's measurement of of sex is? Performance, how good is it? Performance, it's completely opposite to what God says. If God measured you and I based on our performance, we'd already be in hell. He didn't measure us based on our performance. He measured us based on the free gift on Jesus Christ that covers us and makes us righteous. Therefore, He doesn't see what we perform. He sees the blood. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Any any part of a relationship anywhere, if it's if your measurement and your judgment is based on a performance, then it inherently has a weakness and the and the the probability of failure somewhere. You know, in the corporate world, you have key performance index, KPIs, right? Yeah. It's a common thing in the world. Yeah. You've got to live up and you've got you to do the measurement of KPIs. And so the reason they, they key performance indexes is because they want to measure your performance based on the index of a set of measurements. Now, if you sign up to that key performance measurement, if you sign up to it, then then they have a right to come to you and say, we agreed. But then they have a right, they have have an obligation because you can't have a key performance index that is one-sided. So if you work for a company that's got KPIs, they, you have a right to go to them and say, but you are pro- supposed to provide resources for me so that I can med- deliver on my KPIs. So for example, if, if you go and work for a company and you're supposed to be a salesman and they promise you a motor car to go and sell and then you r- rock up there and you sign all the KPIs and what it all means and then they say, go and sell. And you say, where's my car? Oh no, sorry, it's delayed for a month. Well, what must I do? Sell. Well, I can't sell without a car. Right? You understand that for the most part in the relationships that we function in in the earth, there is a level of communication and there's a level of acceptance that happens, that there is a give and take on things, but it's fragile. It's very fragile because you get out of a boss's grace and he'll turn that KPI against you in a heartbeat. Just because he doesn't like you. Doesn't think you're doing what he thinks you should be doing. I had that in, my, in, 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 the, in the corporate world. Uh, we got a new managing director and he, he came in as a change agent. He came to sort out all of the mess that the company was in and turn it around and make it a... A profitable company. And he took all of the people's key performance, the KPIs out, and he just started nailing each person. Every day, every day, he just went about it. He didn't just fire people. He just, he just nailed them, nailed them, nailed them. Very quickly, people can't take that kind of scrutiny and that kind of abuse the whole time. So they just leave. Well, what do you think he was trying to do? He was trying to get them to resign so he didn't have any responsibility towards them going forward. He's a change agent. You understand what I'm saying? It's a fragile thing that. Honor supersedes the fragility of performance. And that's why if you have honor in a marriage relationship, honor supersedes what you both decide to be as... A good way of living together, because if you decided, you change, I change, circumstances change, things change. You can nail anybody if you want to, if it's in your heart. You can justify yourself. You can nail. You can nail anybody. I mean, listen, the world is full of full of, of full of this kind of ungodliness, corruption. It's the corruption of the heart. And it's a corruption of the system. Come on. Government is not just an institution, it's made up of people. And if you have if you have a mayor of a town or you have, you have a commissioner of police, and somehow you or you have a you're a commissioner in, in South African Revenue Services, and you get in their crosshairs. Under normal circumstances, it, your stuff just goes through. But you get in their crosshairs, they'll take you to the cleaners anytime they want to. Because on performance, they can take you to the cleaners. Hey? I'll tell you what, it's, it's, much, it's almost impossible for them to do if you have honor. If your approach towards it is Honorable. Honor becomes your God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in, the tra- in training and admonition of the Lord. Here is honor towards parents. This is not an age thing. It's not because you're a teenager you must honor your parents. It's a good thing to honor your parents if you're a teenager because most conflict that happens between children and parents happens when they're beginning to find an identity as a teenager. But this goes to all the length of your days. Honor is much greater than obedience. Because once you leave home, you don't have to do anything your parents tell you to do. But honor says, you're valuable to me. I don't treat you as a vapor and just put you away. I'll just do away with you. Honor. They might be very difficult to get along with. But honor still means there's some things that you can do. And there is the promise that comes with it, long life. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do you, are you getting the message from me today? I'm doing a high level thing about honor here today. I'm covering as much ground as I can, but actually, this is a teaching that should happen over months, really, because honor is, is really, really big. It's really big. Yesterday, I started to minister on, or over this weekend, perhaps last Sunday, I, I ministered on on this, and I'm going to lead into our time of communion with this this story. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I'm going to just read it to you. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went, into, went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. This is a... If they say there's a woman in the city who's a sinner, what is she? She sells her body, Right? When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabasca flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke this to himself, meaning his inward man. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So in those days, uh, you know, it was, it was law that a woman that was at certain times of the month and or was caught in some kind of sin like adultery. Uh, If you you touched or entertained or even allowed them into your community, you could be stoned right along with her. And Jesus answered his inside voice. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors one who owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, wherefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, O man of prestige, O man of status, O man of everything that you would ever want in a community. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet to be washed. That was a custom of honor. It was just a custom of respect that when somebody came into your house, you washed their feet. He had such pride and didn't want to be associated with all of what Jesus stood for that he wouldn't even let him wash his feet. Give me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. Since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, uh, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Uh, This shows you what value people put on things. Then he turned to her, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What was the demonstration of her faith? She took this fragrant oil and she came and brought this very, very expensive fragrant oil. This is the same story that's mentioned in three different parts of the Bible and it's just spoken very differently. I want to to put this to you today. That this woman, she had been forgiven. She had already encountered Jesus. And she wanted to come and bring a gift to Jesus and when she saw that he was in the Pharisee's house, she didn't care actually that this Pharisee could actually announce me to the world and I could be stoned because of my past. She just said, here's Jesus. I need to give him the most precious thing I have in my life. The most All of the sin that I've sinned has caused me to have enough money to buy a valuable thing. And she took this valuable thing and she came. And I'll tell you what, when I read this, the other night I was reading it, I don't know, maybe Tuesday night or Monday night I was reading this. and, and, And actually the Holy Spirit ministered to me in such a way that tears began to roll down my cheeks because... That the scripture says she stood behind Jesus weeping, which means the fact that she could even just be there, this man that had forgiven her. This already is of such great value to me that I can just be here. And then she takes this most fragrant oil. She doesn't wait for anybody's permission, she doesn't wait for society to give her the answer to her problems. She takes this expensive gift. And she just breaks it and she begins to pour it on his feet and pour it on his head. And she gets down in the dust of, his, of where his feet was or on the floor, wherever he was, and she takes her hair and she begins to rub this oil into his feet uh, I'm wanting you to imagine that even in those days, what an what a absolute act of submission that was. An absolute act of adoration. An absolute act of honor that was beyond anything that she could say with words. The only way she could reveal her honor and her love and her respect for Jesus and her desire to consider Him So valuable as gold that she took this ointment and she took her hair and she rubbed it in his feet. And she cleaned his feet with the fragrance of this oil. Jesus takes this moment to deal with this religious spirit that is based on performance this man in his heart judged Jesus. He said, you can't be a prophet if you knew who this woman was. You can't be a prophet. Judgment. Jesus gives him the answer to his future in the words that he speaks. And he asks him the question, who's going to be more connected to forgiveness. The one who's being given forgiven much or the one little? He says, I suppose much. He said, you have answered rightly. Your judgment is right. Now, I say to this woman, because of what you have done for me and what you haven't done for me, Simon, your words judge your future. Because you're unable to honor me and you're unable to receive me and you're unable to recognize who I am. So therefore, your inner man voice has judged your future by this woman. The, The roles were reversed, you see. He was the man with the power and the status and she came with the honor and the respect and the high value and her actions judged his entire future because of what was in his heart. And then he turns to her and he says, your faith has saved you. There were no words that came out of her mouth but her actions were full of faith that my gift will be received by God this prophet of God. I read the same passage of Scripture to you very quickly from John 11, verse 1 to 4. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Can you see what the reconciliation and the restoration is She did it with her hair. Now Jesus is in the same room with her and Martha. And the brother of Martha's died. And Jesus is now treating her with the honor that her gift provided. Because the rest of the story goes on to say, and and you read it in, that Martha was like about many things. Uh, Jesus, tell her to come and work with me in the kitchen. And Jesus says, no, Martha, you are worried about many things. You are concerned about many things. But she has chosen the good portion. She knew what happened when she put fragrance oil on his feet. She knew the salvation that she was walking in. She knew what had happened. And he said, she has chosen the better thing. You see, honor... Honor for God always chooses someone else above yourself. The honor of God always puts you in a place where you say, if I've got honor in my heart, then I don't want to war with you. I I prefer to love with you. Therefore, the sister said to him, saying, Lord, behold... He whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And I, 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 close, I close the meeting with this. Uh, and I say to you, God is doing a restoration work in relationships. And it may just start out with a few words. It might just start out with a few small things. But I'll tell you that if you have honor in your heart and you begin to have great value worth for somebody rather than just do away with them, you release the fragrance of that honor into the world that is around you. Let me tell you that when, that, when Mary, when she got up from that floor and she had been pronounced by Jesus, your, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. When she got up off of that floor, Everything that was in her past no longer had any relevance in her future which is why Jesus found himself in her house nothing of her past had anything relevant in her future but just notice this because she broke that the whole oil, the whole fragrance of that perfume permeated the whole house it permeated everybody that was in that house It affected their senses. In another part of the story, it actually caused Judas to decide, this is a waste of money and I'm going to betray, and I'm going to go and betray Jesus. Let me tell you, a special honor anointing gift or an honor perspective or an honor attitude, when you have the law of recognition, it makes and shakes everything. It reveals what's really in the heart of people. It reveals what's out there in the system. But if you will stay true to the honor of God in your heart, you become the one that God can honor. And the difference between the Pharisee and the woman was, the Pharisee was all about right or wrong, fair or not fair, whether it was in the law or not the law, whether you behaved right or you didn't behave right. It was all about do's and don'ts, performance, judgment. She was all about, I need a touch from the God of my life. She uses this fragrance. When she gets up and she walks out of that room and she goes to wherever she went to after that, it's possible that she kept hanging around there wherever Jesus waited for him to finish in the room and followed him and kept following him. I don't know. But wherever she went, the fragrance of her salvation was on her hair. And she didn't leave the fragrance behind in that room, she took the fragrance of her salvation wherever she went. And that fragrance was a demonstration of honor that had been lived. And you know the reason that I showed you, wanted you to see that video clip of our honor seed, our fragrance of our honor towards Brother Jerry that came in the form of the gift. It is still speaking as a fragrance around the world. It has resonated around the world. People have listened to that message and been watching that conference from around the world. People are are touching the fragrance of our honor seed. It's the highest form of life that we can live, is to live with honor. And that's why I say to you, as a spiritual leader, it is not my business to lord over you and to be the great I am pastor or the lift me up and make me the boykeh. It is my business to have in my heart an honor for you. That I would go and meditate and get before God and say, God, what is it that you want me to bring to your people? What is it that you want to say to your people? How can I bring to your people what is necessary for them so that the fragrance and the richness and the nourishment and the protection of everything that's out there in the world, that you will safeguard them. You will save their lives. And so I want to declare to you today my honor for you. My honor for you is that I take every single thing when I get into this pulpit or I'm thinking about the ministry or what we're doing in the ministry, I'm always thinking about you. I'm always thinking about if we do this, what does it mean to you? If we do this, how does it affect you? If we go and do that, how does it affect you? If I have an honor towards my spiritual leader, Brother Jerry Savelle, then that honor becomes part of my life. That's right. I can't live without Honor. It's part of the fragrance of my life. And so I, contrastly, I want to say to you, I'm deeply grateful, deeply grateful that so many of you show your appreciation and your love for me. And so many of you give honor back to me with words and in many different ways. I don't expect you to do anything for me. But when you do do something for me, I'm deeply grateful. I consider it a great, great privilege when you just come up to me and hug me and say, you are my pastor, I want to just love you. I want to just thank you. I just want to put my arms around you. I want to just say thank you. I consider it a deep, deep, deep thing. It's a spiritual weightiness that is in this house. And so if we take this fragrance and we take it to our families and we take it to the people that have hurt us and harmed us, this fragrance will permeate salvation wherever we go. I know that this message will lead to many questions of how. I don't have time to get into that. But there is a how and the favor of god and the, and the wisdom of god if if there is if it's in the heart of god for me to continue to minister on honor and i, I believe i should actually you know because uh, it my spiritual leaders coming back i consider it an honor that he would use us as a testimony to hit the hand of god to the world Consider it a great honor that he would use us. He didn't have to. I consider it a great honor that he is making time to come and fly here and spend multiple, multiple days with us. Anything depending on how his schedule works and layovers and refueling and all the stuff that with he comes with his jet, I, 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 you know, it might be four days, six days, seven days. It depends on a number of things. But he's coming here for a significant period of time. And I, I consider it a great privilege and an honor to have him. A man who has paid such a price in his life, has been so honorable in his relationship with his father. has been so honorable in everything that he's done in his life. Hallelujah. I believe God wants us to know more about this honor. Don't you? Yes. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Can the people that are going to serve uh, communion, can you get it ready please and can the music group come up please? We've been having communion all week. I want to tell you, I did exactly what I told you to do. I listened to myself, and I had communion with myself. I did. I had watched, I listened to myself on YouTube, as you would do if, you, if I was you. And I said all the things that I said in the flow of the anointing that day. I said all those things. I repeated it after myself every day I did communion this week. And then when I was done doing that, then I had my own time with God. And then I so my communion became an extended time. But I, I did that on purpose because I I I try as best as I can and with the grace by the grace of God I don't try. If I say you do something, I must be prepared to do it myself. I won't tell you to do something before God that I won't do myself. Hallelujah. To me, that's authentic Christian living. Hallelujah. I need to just read this passage of Scripture to you. And uh, just listen to it. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this In remembrance of me. And every time I did it this week, I said, Jesus, I'm remembering you, what you did for me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. And so, you proclaim the Lord's death when you have communion. And as you proclaim it, what are you proclaiming? You are proclaiming that He has delivered you from all sickness, disease, or any physical condition. I mean, poverty, sickness, disease, oppression, depression, anything. He paid the price on His body that you don't have to have it in your life anymore. I, have a, I, I remember and I proclaim that in His blood, Everything is taken care of. Before we take the communion elements of the blood, I want to share this with you. The Lord showed it to me. And uh, I wish I had a bit more time this morning, but He showed me that the veil that stood in the tabernacle, that that was a very big, heavy thing. It was designed to keep the glory of God away from the people, otherwise the people would die. And when Jesus died on the cross and, and He said, It is finished. The Bible says that there was an earthquake and there was lightning and thunder and the the earth shook and the veil was rent in two. In other words, there was no more veil that could be keeping you from the anointing and and the glory and the presence of God. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said to me, John, I took away a physical veil and I replaced it with a veil of blood. He says, if you are on the inside of the blood, then that veil keeps you from anything that is outside. You are protected inside of the veil of the blood. You have the glory of God inside the veil of the blood. You have the power of God. You have the goodness of God. You have all of the things that you experience with God because you're in the veil of the blood. It is so powerful for us to be in the veil of the blood, under the protection of the blood, in the goodness of the blood, the price that Jesus paid for us. I thank God. I thank Jesus for dying for me and for placing my whole life under the blood. He sprinkled His blood on the mercy seat in heaven so that mercy is the thing that protects us always not judgment. We are under the protection of the veil of the blood. And as we have communion right now, can someone bring me? Please, thank you. As we have communion right now, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this. That the body of the Lord Jesus Christ has given you the right to declare blessings and speak to have blessings on your life. I want to make sure that everybody has and everybody's been served before I go ahead with this. Can I see the hands of people that haven't received communion? Is there anybody that hasn't? I just need some on the stage here, please. Thank you, Michael. Hallelujah. You know, this is a representation of what Jesus did. He took away your pain. He took away your everything your separation from god he reconciled us to god because of his death he reconciled us when we were with people without hope he gave us hope because he died for us hallelujah will you remember with me the lord's death will you remember with me as you take the blood as you take the body will you remember that he has He has died so that you can live blessed life and you have no curse that should come near you, but you can live a blessed life. Will you declare that with me? Will you say this? I live a blessed life. I receive a blessed life life. because of the body of the the Lord Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please take communion. I'd like you to say this after me. I'd like you to declare with me that because of the blood of Jesus, Jesus, there is no accusation, there is no no sin, sin. and there is no demonic oppression oppression. that can penetrate my life. life. I I am sealed by the blood of Jesus. As a, son of God. as a son of God in Jesus name, in Jesus name. we remember Lord we remember. what you did for us, did for us. Amen. Amen. Amen Amen this is a holy moment you know by doing this we honor Jesus we honor him We show Him our love and we show Him our affection. We've been doing this all week. Hallelujah. You know, if you haven't done it this week, I'm gonna encourage you. It's simple little obediences like that, that show your honor or your dishonor for what comes from this pulpit. If you're new here today, this doesn't apply to you. But if you didn't do this this week, if you just took it lightly, it shows you your honor or your dishonor. I don't hold it as valuable enough to listen to what he said from the pulpit. It's little things where honor begins. It's not with the big things. It's little things. Didn't Jesus say, if they receive you, they receive me? Say, if you receive a message from me, don't you receive it from Jesus? Won't you stand with me, please? What song are we singing? I worship you. We can do both. It's time to worship, people. It's time to worship. Hallelujah. We celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Glory to God.